0: Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22, Luke 22, as we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And we're seeing our Savior Jesus. We're seeing as he prepares to go to the cross for us, he indeed is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We've been seeing his final days, really final days right before the cross. He's been in the temple. He was teaching, confrontation by the religious leaders. But for the last several weeks, we've been seeing Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. They are observing the Passover meal. And this is the, the last meal that Jesus Will be with them before He dies and rises again. We saw Jesus made a change from the Passover meal. He, he talked. It was the Passover meal, but He made the change, and we we call it the Lord's Supper. He changed the focus from the Passover lamb to Himself. As the Lamb of God who would take away The sin of the world. Now as we've been studying This passage we've seen a, a number of things From this area. We saw Judas plan To betray Jesus. We saw the Passover Meal. We've been seeing that. Jesus makes the change We saw that Judas, Jesus tells that One of them will betray him and, and they didn't really grasp it. And then he taught Teaching. The teaching was really on how to be great Because they were arguing over who was the Greatest. Well this morning and In these short verses we're going to actually see two things First we're going to see Jesus deals with Future rewards. And he talks about the, the uh, disciples. And he says, I, I've got to have a kingdom, and when I come, you're going to have a place in it. And then we're going to see Peter's coming denial. And if you're not careful from English, when, when you read the English Bible in this, especially verse 31, you read it and you go, wow, he's talking to Peter. But I want you to see something else when we go through the passage. There's a lot there. So may we gain from our study this morning. Well, you know, it's kind of fun to talk about end time events. We think about the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. and we understand the great truth that when he comes the second time to this earth, he comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he will rule in righteousness and justice. He will set up a kingdom that will go on for, on this earth that will last for a thousand years. All of those who have, all of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ will be in, be with him in that kingdom. But what will we do? Will we all be the same? Will everything be the same? The answer is no, because Jesus Christ rules and faithful servants of Christ will rule with him. As we study the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we understand that believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, which is the rewarding stand, and will be rewarded for service. We will be given, those who are rewarded will be given places of responsibility. When you stand before Jesus Christ, what will He say to you? Will He say, well done, good and faithful servant? Will you rule with Jesus Christ? Those who have been faithful servants will rule with him. Those who have not been faithful, believers, will be in the kingdom but not rule with him. Now this morning, Jesus tells his disciples, we'll see it starting at verse 28. He tells his disciples, his apostles, that they will have a place of rulership with him when he comes as the king. In fact, he says they will rule over the nation of Israel. What will you and I be doing? May we be encouraged from our study of this passage And may we be men and women who are faithfully serving Jesus Christ so we can hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, we're seeing the last night. That's where we are. We're seeing the last night right before he goes to the cross. He is eating the Passover meal with his apostles, the twelve. He's finished. He's made a change there. When they get through, they're going to sing a song at the end. That's what, they're, that's what they were supposed to do. Then they're going to go across to the garden. Jesus will be arrested. He will be tried six times, three times before the Jews, three times before the Romans. He will be crucified, be buried. Three days later, he will rise again, conquering death. Now, we've been seeing the meal, and we've seen that Jesus made the change. Now, think about this. It was the Passover meal, and the focus was on the Lamb. And they talked about, you know, they would always remember Egypt and put the blood on the door, and the, God would pass over that house, and they would be delivered from bondage of Egypt. But he made the change because now we call this the Lord's Supper because now the focus is on Christ, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, how he died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again. This is a memorial for us. It is ongoing. We celebrate the Lord's Supper on an ongoing basis we remember the body and the blood of our savior jesus christ now last time at the very end of our study the last time we saw the disciples were arguing over who was the greatest now think about it jesus has already told them that he is coming death he told them that one of them is going to betray him and what are they doing they're arguing over who's the greatest we saw that jesus taught about being great And he said, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? He said, when the world looks at greatness, the world says, the boss is the great one. The one who lords it over. The one who is the ruler. He says, but in the kingdom to be great is going to be different. You've got to be a servant. Give your life in service. And the truth is this. We want our lives to count for Jesus Christ. And we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And to do that, we want to live our lives for the glory of God. And we want to be servants. We want to take the gifts, talents and abilities that God's given to us. And use them for his glory. Now, he talked clearly this about servanthood. Look at verse 26. He said, uh, He said, it's not this way with you. He said, the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and a leader like a servant. And so he said this. It, the greatness is to be like the youngest, to be like a servant. And then in verse 27, he shows himself as the example. He says, for who is greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Everybody knows that the one sitting at the table is greater than the one who's serving. He says, is not the one, it's not the one, it's it's the one who reclines at the table. That's obvious. But he said, but I am among you as the one who serves. That's the key. I'm the serving one. And if we want to be great for our Savior, we have to be servants. Now, this morning as we continue, Jesus is going to teach, and we're going to see two things, two things stand out, the rewards to the apostles and Peter's denial. So let me do this, let's break down the passage, I just want you to see how it fits together. First of all, he's going to talk about future rewards for the disciples, as verses 28 through 30, he, he, he says the disciples were faithful, and he talks about the rewards in the kingdom, and we'll talk a little bit about rewards. Then the second part, Peter's coming denial, and this is so sad, but he talks about trials are coming for Peter, and, and I'll, I'm, I'm going to show you some other things as well we see Peter has confidence I'm ready to go to be in prison or to die for you and I'm telling you that he's telling the truth he was ready to do that many of you in this room most of you in this room you said you know if it came right down to it I I hope I'm, I'm ready to stand for Christ and even die for him but you don't know what would happen until the time comes And we see Peter's confidence, but we see that Jesus says Peter will deny Christ. And we'll see how that fits together. There's a lot there. Well, as we seek to make a difference for Christ today, we want to be faithful servants. Well, let's see what Jesus does. He tells his apostles about their rewards. And that's the key truth. To being faithful now will be rewards in the kingdom. Now, a lot of people aren't taught about rewards. People talk about you want to go to heaven when you die, you know. And and the bottom line is um, we're ultimately, first of all, all going to be on this earth for a thousand years in what we call the millennial kingdom. At that end of that, there'll be a great white throne judgment. Then there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. And then we'll live on the new heavens and new earth for all eternity. So when people talk about going to heaven, really heaven, what we'd call eternity, is going to be on this earth for a thousand years. And then a new heavens and new earth for all eternity. What will we be like there? What's it going to be? People aren't all necessarily taught about rewards. A lot of people say, well, the key is just getting to heaven. Well, that's a great key. You want to get to heaven. But what's going to happen for all eternity, how we live now, how we serve now, has nothing to do with our salvation, but it has to do with our rewards and places of responsibility. Look what Jesus says about his men. Verse 28, he says, you, he's talking, just as Jesus is speaking, he says, you are those who have stood by me in my trials. And he's speaking to the twelve, he's speaking to the apostles, the ones that Jesus chose. Now, one has already betrayed him. Uh, or has betrayed him and, and Judas has already left the meal He's gone He's gone to get the religious leaders Remember he, he slipped out In fact uh, we, we didn't get to go into a lot of details But uh, Jesus actually said Whatever you do do it quickly And he left And a lot of the people The, the rest of the guys at the table Thought Jesus uh, that Judas was going to get more food Or go give something for the poor But Judas is going to get the religious leaders And some of the temple guards And come and arrest Jesus That's his plan But look what Jesus says about the ones that are left He says but you You are the those who have stood by me in my trials. You're standing by, and the way it's written in the original language, not only you have stood by, but you are continuing to stand by me in the trials, in the opposition. See, they have been faithful to Jesus Christ, to stand by him, and that's the key to greatness, isn't it? To be faithful. That's the key. Our goal in life is to serve Jesus Christ and to be a faithful servant of our Lord and Savior. That's what it's all about. We want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Remember now, there's a contrast between salvation and service because he's talking about their service. But remember this salvation, it, the contrast between salvation and service, salvation costs us nothing, it's a gift. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. The famous verse, John 3:16. God so loved the world, he gave his son that whosoever believes. Salvation is a gift. It costs us absolutely nothing. Every one of us in this room can have eternal life. Salvation be with Jesus Christ forever simply by faith in him. We trust that he gives us eternal life. Now, service and works, that's different. Serving Jesus Christ cost us. It cost us our lives. It is works. It's when we say to God, I want my life to count for you. In the Romans 12 passage, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies. We say to God, take my life, use me for your glory. That has nothing to do with salvation. That's service. Salvation is a gift. Service costs us. As believers, we want our lives to count. If If you serve Jesus Christ now, He will reward you later. He will reward you in the kingdom. Second Corinthians, I'm just going to throw a few verses up there. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded. The word judgment there, don't, don't think of that as a negative thing. It actually is a rewarding stand. We will all stand before our Savior to be rewarded. First Corinthians chapter 3 talks about everything will be tested and, and, and there'll be gold, sil- gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. Basically, whatever's left will be rewarded. Second Timothy 2.12, he says, if you live for me, you can reign with me. See, not every believer is going to reign with Jesus Christ. Reigning shows responsibility and privilege. Uh, And so all of us who know Christ will be in the kingdom, but only those who serve will rule and reign with him. And that's our goal. Our goal is to serve him, to be faithful servants. The parable we saw in Luke 19 uh, that was earlier where he said, well done. That's what he told him. He gave them things to do. And when they came back, the ones that had done well had served him. He said, well done. Take the ten cities that are prepared for you as places of responsibility. Responsibility. Bottom line to every one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ as Savior, and I hope that's every one of you, if you serve Jesus Christ now and live for Him and your life counts for Him, He will reward you and you will have place of responsibility in the kingdom. If you do not serve Him now, you won't have places of responsibility. You're still going to serve. It just won't be in leadership positions. The bottom line is faithfulness, and that's the key. Moreover, brothers, required of stewards to be found faithful, and that's what we should do. So whatever your gifts, talents, abilities that you have, your times, your possessions, be faithful to use them for His glory. As faithful servants of Jesus Christ. Now, notice what he said to him: You are those who have stood by me in my trials. You're the ones that did that. And now, look what he says. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, here's the great point. He says, just as my father... Has granted me a kingdom. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Heavenly Father, has said to Jesus, You will have the kingdom. That's the promise going all the way back to 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 12 through 17. The promise to King David that he would have a greater Son who would rule as the King for all eternity. That greater Son is Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus is sometimes called the Son of David. And the promise is, my Father said, has granted to me a kingdom. There will be a time when Jesus Christ will come to this earth. He will come to Jerusalem. He'll actually come to the Mount of Olives, landing on the Mount of Olives, which is right across from the city. And he will rule as the King of kings and the Lord of lords from Jerusalem. He will rule for a thousand years on this earth. He will rule for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth. And he says, just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, look what he says to these men, these eleven men, basically. He says, I grant you. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. He's saying, you're going to be in fellowship with me in the kingdom. And then look what he says. And you will sit on thrones. That's places of responsibility. That's leadership. That's positions of authority judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now these men were Jewish. And he's saying, when the kingdom comes, there's still going to be Israel. There's going to be the body of Christ. There's going to be Israel all coming together in the, in the kingdom. And he says, it, during the kingdom, you will judge. You will rule over, talking to these men, you will rule the twelve tribes of Israel. And rule the nation. The apostles will rule over Israel in the kingdom. It will last for a thousand years. Jesus Christ will rule. The apostles rule over Israel. What will you and I be doing? When we stand before Jesus Christ, what will he say? Well done. Will we have places of responsibility, places of service? Will we rule with Jesus Christ? Will we all be the same? The answer is no, we will not. Those who serve, those who have served, will be rewarded. So here's the question. Are you serving Christ now? Are you saying to God, God, I want my life to count for you. And I look at my life and I realize that every aspect belongs to you. The time, the money, the possessions, the gifts, the talents, the abilities, everything is yours. I give it to you for your honor and your glory. Use me. That's what we're to do. May we serve our Savior. And may we hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, that's really powerful, and that, that goes out for us and goes for them because there's going to be rewards for us. We're not going to be ruling over the 12 tribes of Israel. These men will be. We'll have places of responsibility. From this, Jesus tells something that's really sad. And, and we really almost wish he wasn't in there because he's going to tell Simon that Satan wants to get him, and that and if you look in the other Gospels, they're going to deny him. In fact, not just Peter's going to deny him. All of them are going to deny him. And none of them think they will. In fact, we're going to see that when Jesus says, "Peter, you're going to before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times," Peter goes, "No, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. I'm ready to die. I'll, I will go and die before I do that. i I got the sword. We'll see in a minute. I'm going to pick up a sword. I'm ready to go. And Jesus says, "You're going to deny me," and he says, "I will not." And the rest of the guys say, oh, "We will not." Every one of them denied him. Now, we think of Peter especially, but Peter got the... You know where the rest of them were? They weren't even around. See, we say Peter denied him. Well, Peter was least close. Everybody else ran off. And we say, I'm going to stand for Christ. I tell you what, if I lived in some place and there was persecution, I think I'd stand for Christ. You don't know. You don't know what you're going to do till the time comes. You do not know. Now pray and hope and say, Lord, I want my life to count for you. And I hope when the time comes, I will stand for you. But take heed lest you think you stand. You what? You fall because you don't know. We cannot put confidence in ourselves. Our confidence must be in our Savior. So watch what happens. There's a spiritual battle going on. He's already told them that one of them is going to betray him. Now he's going to tell them that all of them are going to deny him. Watch how he starts off. Look at verse 31. Simon, Simon, that's, of course, Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Now, that verse has a lot in it. It looks like a little short verse and just says, well, Simon wants to get Peter. But there's more to it than that. Let's start first with it's Simon, Simon. He's directing it to Peter. Peter is the leader. He's powerful. He's the guy that talks. He's the one that's always up front. He's the one that when Jesus asks a question, Peter gives an answer, whether it's right or wrong. He's going to give an answer. He is a leader. He's a natural leader. And when it's all over with, and on the day of Pentecost, it's going to be Peter who's going to stand and take the leadership in the, local, in, in the church and beginning in the ministry. Peter is a great leader. And so Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Now, he says Satan. When we talk about Satan, I mean, who, what, who is Satan? I mean, Satan, the name means adversary. That's what it means. He is an angel. He is a fallen angel. He guarded the throne of God. He was in rebellion against God. And when God, he became in rebellion against God. And this was a long time ago. We're not even sure when all this happened. But God removed him from his position. He is the one who came down, took the form of the serpent, and and tricked Adam and Eve. And and Adam ate knowingly. Eve was, was deceived and caused the fall of mankind. He is an angel who God has allowed. That's how you have to put it. Since God is in control of all things, God has allowed this particular angel to control the fallen world system because we live in a fallen world. And this angel called Satan, Lucifer, the son of the morning, he controls the fallen world. In fact, he's called the God of this age. And we're going to talk more about him in just a minute. He has demanded. Notice how it says "demanded permission." Really, the word "demanded" is a little bit strong. And in, in fact, my Bible puts "permission" in italics because what they're trying to do is soften this Greek word because it doesn't mean demand. Like Satan comes up to God and goes, "I tell you what, I want to do this." Because listen, nobody does that to God. Okay, just to understand that. He's asked permission is what it really says. In the same way that Satan had to go to God to want to deal with Job. If you've read the book of Job, Satan appeared before God and talked about Job. And God allowed some things. We're going to see that he says Satan has come and has demanded or seeked permission to sift you like wheat. Now this is going to surprise you if you don't understand this. He's not saying just this to Peter. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you. The you is plural. He's not just saying, Peter, he wants to get you. It's plural. It's to all the men that are there. He says, Satan wants to get you. He's going to try to stop them. That's his plan. We'll talk more about it in just a second. They're going to go through the trials and the problems, and that's what's going to happen. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. He wants to test you. Well, I want you to understand something. Satan always wants to do things like that. He's the prince of the power of this age. He's the god of this age. Let me tell you, he has a plan. Here's his plan for mankind, twofold. He wants to stop people from trusting Christ, and he wants to stop people from serving Christ. His plan is this. If a person is not a believer, all he cares about is that they never trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. He doesn't care if they're religious. In fact, he would rather them be religious. Because there are a lot of religious people who think by going to church or getting baptized or giving money or doing some religious activity that that somehow gets them right with God. He would love for them to think that. In fact, the lie of the devil is, if you do good, God will love you. You cannot do good, and God already loves you. So his plan is saying, just, just be religious. Just think it's good works. Just think if somebody were to come to you and say, if you were to die, will you go to heaven? I've talked to people a lot of times. I say, if you were to die, will you go to heaven? And they say, yeah. And I say, why? And they say, because I've tried to live a good life. That's the lie of the devil what he wants them to think. He wants them to think, yeah, I'm going to probably go to heaven because I've lived a good life. He just wants to stop people from ever trusting in Christ. That's why the grace message is so misunderstood. That's why when we tell people it is faith alone and Christ alone, many people say, I have never really heard that. Because all their life they've heard other things like you've got to be willing to do this and this and this and this, and this to be saved. That's the lie of the devil. The grace message is simple and clear. Faith alone in Christ alone. His plan is to stop people from ever trusting in Jesus. It is that simple. Now, his plan for the people who already trust in Christ, his plan is to stop them from serving. He wants to have everything else in your life, this fallen world, it affects us. We are being shaped by this world. That's why in Romans he says, stop being conformed to this world. Because that's what the world does. He wants believers so occupied with things of this world that we never serve Jesus Christ. So his plan is twofold. Stop people from trusting Christ. Stop people from serving Christ. He says, Satan wants to get you. He said, Simon, Simon. He's talking to the head, to the leader of the guys. He says he wants to get you, as we'd say in the south. He wants to get you all. All of you guys. He wants to get you. But there's something amazing in this passage. Look what it says. Verse 32. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again... Strengthen your brothers, he said, I pray for you, I pray your faith not fail. Jesus knows what 's going to happen, He knows that what 's going to go through, and he knows he knows everything what we 're going to go through, what 's going to happen. Jesus does the same thing for us. I want you to understand this Jesus does the same thing for us. He prays for us. He is the advocate and the intercessor. In 1 John two two, it basically goes back to verse 1. says, my little children don't sin. But if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but the sins of the entire world. Do you realize that when you sin, Jesus is your advocate? And that's why when you bring your request and you say, or you bring your, your uh, confession, he's there. He's, ma- he's your advocate. It's really the word for defense attorney. But there's a second thing that he also does. He's your intercessor. Hebrews 7.25, he lives forever to make intercession for us. You can bring any prayer request, anytime, any place, anywhere, about anything, because Jesus is your go-between. He's your intercessor. And as he says to Peter, I have, notice, I have prayed for you. It's past tense. See, Jesus knows everything, the end from the beginning. He's not saying, I'm going to one of these days pray for you. He said, I've already prayed for you, because I know what's going to happen. You're going to be tempted. Satan wants to get you. He's going to tempt you. And you're going to fall. That's why he says that I prayed that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned again, because you're going to fall and you're going to come back, strengthen your brothers. That's the plan. He prays for us. As we go through life, Jesus is our intercessor, praying for us. He's our advocate. And he said to Peter that when, that your faith may not fail. Now, the idea of fail means to quit. You know, what Peter could have done? is when he denied Christ, he could have said, it's over. I I, I mean, I could never do a thing again. And that's it. He just leaves. That's the last we ever see of him. But his faith didn't fail. He didn't quit. Jesus prayed that it wouldn't happen, that he wouldn't quit. He says, and once once you've turned again, that means the idea of come back to what you're supposed to do, you'll strengthen your brothers. You know why? Because every one of them are going to fail too. Every one of them are going to run off. And we all take Peter and we're going to see it. We're going to see it in the next couple of weeks. We see what Peter did and we see it. they come right to him and they say, you were with him. And he goes, excuse me. I don't know him. We say, boy, that was bad. But where are the rest of the guys? So when it comes time, he's going to have to strengthen those guys. That's why we need each other because we all fail. We've all come short of the glory of God. What do we do when we fail? we to confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess and forsake. There's the old saying that says falling down, does, falling down doesn't make you a failure, but staying down does. What about when we sin? I want you to think about this. Failure's not the end. It is not the end. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we will all sometimes keep on sinning. That doesn't mean it's the end. It doesn't mean that your time is over and God's through with you and you failed and you blew it. No. Because Jesus can and will use us. Deal with your sins. Get back into fellowship. And as long as you are alive on this earth, He will use you for His glory. In fact, He uses our failure. Let me show you how. Number one, so we don't trust ourselves anymore. Because see, Peter said, I will not. Have you ever said, I I would never do that. I would never do that. Let me tell you what, you don't know what you're going to do. Put you in the wrong place at the wrong time, you will do the wrong thing. So don't ever say, I would never do that, because you don't know what you're capable of. We're wicked. Fallen. Teaches us not to trust ourselves, we have to trust him. It teaches us that we serve out of gratitude. We realize that God lets us serve him even when we fail him. And then we know that God loves us. It's powerful. So Jesus says, Simon, listen, Satan wants to get you. He wants to get all of you. But here's what I've done I prayed for you. That your faith will not fail. And once you've turned back and got going again, you're going to be able to strengthen the rest of the guys. Now, you'd think Peter might go, I'm going to fail? You're saying that? Because he's never been wrong. Jesus never said a wrong thing. If Jesus said, I'm going to fail, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to fail. But that's not what Peter says. Peter says, verse 33, but he said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. Is Peter telling the truth? What do you think? I think the answer is yeah. I think he's telling the truth. I think he's saying to Jesus right now I would go. If they put me in prison, they'll put me in prison. If I have to die, I will have to die. But I'm going to be with you. It's because we don't really know what we'll do when the time comes. I hope all of us right now, we'd say, well, look, what I would plan to do is if somebody, you know, challenged me about my faith or said we, I would want to say, no, listen, Jesus is the only way of salvation. I'll stand for him if that means going to jail or whatever. We'd all say that's what we hope we would do. We don't know. But one thing you can do for sure, you can't put your confidence in you. You have to put your confidence in God who is in you. So Peter says, oh, no, 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 I'm ready to go both to prison and to death. We're going to see next week that they have some swords. Peter gets one of them. Now, he's a great fisherman, but not a very good swordsman. We know that. But he's ready to fight. In fact, when they come to arrest Jesus, who's doing the fighting? It's Peter. Peter's the guy, the one that cuts the guy's ear off. It's Peter who's ready to fight. But sitting at a campfire, a little fire, with a bunch of people and a servant girl, and she says... You you, uh, you were with him. You were one of his. And he goes, I don't know anything you're talking about. I don't know the man. You think he thought he would ever say that? There's some things you've said in the past you thought you'd never say. There's some things you've done that you thought you'd never do. Take heed lest we think we stand we fall. Watch what Jesus says. And he said, verse 34, I say to you, Peter... The rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. Not like, I don't know him, and that's over with. No, no, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. It's going to happen three different times. If you're Peter at that moment, you say, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. There are things that we've done in our lives that we say, it makes no sense why I would do that. One of the other Gospels says that the rooster will crow twice, and that when it grows twice, he'll have denied him three times. The Gospel of Luke is pretty unique. We'll see it because when, G- when Peter denies Christ the third time, Jesus looks at him. The other Gospels don't tell us this. This one does. We'll think about that when that time comes. He said, I say, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me. Peter said, no way. One of the other Gospels, or a couple of the other Gospels say, all the rest said, we will not. They all thought they could make it. Be careful to trust in ourselves because you can't do it. Go to the Word of God. Go to the power of the Holy Spirit is inside of us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Well this section is very powerful. And we need to make application. What have we seen? We've seen Jesus tells the apostles about the coming rewards. He says that these will rule with Christ in the kingdom. Jesus tells that the disciples are going to fail. And Peter says no way. And Jesus said you're going to deny me three times. Before the night is over. Wow. Let's get some applications. First one is this: Let's be faithful servants of Christ. I mean, that's the key. We want to serve Him. We want to offer our lives. In fact, that's a offer our lives in service for Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans twelve one, First Corinthians four two is required as stewards to be faithful, faithful serving, uh, uh, faithful serving our Savior. So, you know, salvation is a gift, cost you nothing. I hope everyone in this room is trusted in Jesus. The second thing, though, as a believer. You need to say to him, I want my life to count for you. And that's a cost. It's going to cost you your life. Offer your lives in service for Jesus Christ. B. God rewards faithfulness. First Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, Luke 19. He will reward faithfulness. Our choices now determine our future rewards later. We'll not we're not saved by our works. We come to the rock Jesus Christ for salvation. But we will be rewarded. According to the manner in which we live, in which we build upon that foundation, Jesus Christ. Faithful service results in ruling with Christ in the kingdom. So let's be faithful servants of Christ now. Two, keep serving Christ even after we fail. Because if you don't don't think you're going to fail anymore, then you're like Peter saying, that's not going to happen to me. You never know. We may fail. Sometimes we follow the flesh. A, we do not know ourselves. Take heed lest you think you stand, you fall. We don't know, so be real careful when we start saying, I would never do that or I would never do that. B, failure is not the end. It is not. Confess and forsake, God will use us. God will use us for as long as he has us on this earth. So don't trust in yourself. Trust in God. We serve out of gratitude and we serve because God loves us. The third thing, and this is the key, Jesus is praying for us. He is our intercessor and he is our advocate right now. We're not going through life by ourselves. He will never leave us or forsake us. What shall we fear? He is our strength and our shield. He prays for us always. He lives forever to make intercession for us. Corey Tim Boone thought, said, she said, You know, although the threads of my life often seem knotted, I know by faith on the other side is the embroidery of a crown. Because God is working. May we be faithful servants of Jesus Christ, even if we fail, knowing that Christ is our intercessor and our advocate, and he will reward faithful service. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Help us, Lord, to understand them, make application. Lord, we just want to be faithful servants. We, Lord, I just pray for all of us who know you as Savior, that we'll offer our lives in service, that we'll give you our lives, and we'll say, Lord, wherever you want us to go, whatever you want us to do, Lord, we know that you reward faithfulness. One day we'll stand before you and you'll say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, we know sometimes we fail, but may we keep on going after we fail. We don't always know ourselves, we don't know our weaknesses always. Sometimes we don't think we'll fail in a certain area. But we realize, Lord, failure is not the end because you'll take us and use us for as long as you have us on this earth. Thank you that Jesus is our advocate. He is our intercessor. He is continually praying for us. Lord, use us for your glory so that we can hear you say one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.